There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Had one of my followers, Jacob, message me about three or four weeks ago saying that he wanted to start his very own podcast. He was thinking about doing it. And now he's got his own podcast. It is called the Short Ball Podcast. I highly advise you get around it. He's obviously got his Instagram page as well, at the short ball underscore T-H-E-S-H-O-R-T-B-A-L-L underscore. So go and check out what Jacob's doing there. He's doing some fantastic work. I believe he's also on YouTube and he's got his podcast as well. And after he, after he told me he was going to start his own podcast, it was a real honor uh, for him to have me on his podcast. We talked some footy for about an hour or so. Uh, so I'm going to upload the p- entire podcast here so that he can get some exposure to all you guys. And hopefully you can jump over and go and listen to some of his content or jump on his YouTube page and go and have a listen to his gear there, watch his gear on there. Uh, Jacob asked me a number of questions. We talked about the Gold Coast Titans next year, the Parramatta Eels and them fading into the back end of the season, the Canterbury Bulldogs next year. Jacob also asked me a few questions about uh, the Rugby League Guru and where it all started and everything. So a really good chat with a champion fella. Make sure you go and check out all of his stuff, guys. As I've always said, guys, if anyone out there that is listening has their own podcast and would like me to come on for a chat, more than happy to, and I'll obviously upload it to my podcast as well. Get you a bit of exposure to my listeners, and hopefully they can come over to your platform as well and listen to you. We're all uh, we're all in this together in the podcast world, and Rugby League content is Rugby League content. We want to get everyone around everyone. It's a sensational thing. We're going to kick off now the podcast with Jacob with the Short Ball Podcast. G'day everyone. Welcome back to the Short Ball Podcast. Today we've got a uh, special guest on. We've got the Rugby League Guru. Um, one of the one of the uh, best analysis of Rugby League I've probably seen on Instagram. And uh, we'll, today we'll just be going through a little bit, little bit of footy, a little bit of footy chat. Uh, first Guru, how you going mate? Yeah, good, mate. All going well. It's uh, it's a bit grim in lockdown at the moment, but uh, we're getting by. Plenty of content coming out, thankfully, to keep us entertained. It's uh, it's an honour to be on, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, 
I'll just start off with a few questions about you and your podcast, how it's been going. Uh, you started up as a super coach guru. You had that Instagram page that you had maybe two years. Yeah, just over two years ago. I think it was uh, 2018 I started that. So, yeah. What sort of inspired the change into uh, podcasting and starting to do just rugby league guru rather than super coach guru? Uh, mate, I've always loved Supercoach. Me and my mate, mates are way too keen at it, on it, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners are as well. And um, I actually I, I had a go at a um, NFL fantasy competition with my mates. And I, I, I know a little bit about NFL, but not enough to be able to be as competitive as I am at bloody everything I do. So I sort of seeked out and went and found uh, a guy to help me w- with my NFL picks and who to pick up and everything. And funnily enough, I think he was called the fantasy guru or the the gridiron guru or something like that and then uh the super coach i started my super coach page originally just to take the piss out of one of my mates i um i was trying to lure one of my mates into asking a few questions and then on draft day when we all go down the south coast to uh you know spring it on him and say oh you were talking to me the whole time you know and just reveal some of the stuff that he said unfortunately he didn't say too anything that uh incriminated him too bad too poorly unfortunately but that's how it started and then yeah, it got to about ten, fifteen thousand followers. I was really enjoying it, but I was more so starting to talk about rugby league in general, which I'm obviously more passionate about than Supercoach. And I just found the amount of comments that were saying, "Oh, you're just a Supercoach page," like you know, stay in your lane, which was completely fair as well. I just sort of thought, "Ah, oh, it's time for me to expand out," and then enjoying that, enjoying the content, and then just wanted a bit more of an avenue to be able to do my sort of stuff. So I went down the avenue of the podcast. Sort of gives me a bit more of a um a business end to the guru side of things as well, obviously getting sponsorship on the podcast and whatnot. So uh, it's been a really fun avenue, mate. And, uh, you know, all, all the posts are good fun, but I, I love sitting here talking to blokes like yourself and stuff about footy. That's where, where my passion lies, mate. Yeah, no, I I just remember I'd followed you back in the uh, Supercoach Guru days. So I'd needed God, you've been through it far out. You've seen some shit. Still, still do need help the way I'm going. I've, I've done like the Parramatta Eels and sort of shit the bed in the back end of my uh, Supercoach season. <laughs> oh, no, str- <laughs> no stranger to shit in the bed, don't worry. Yeah. No, um, a good old famous bed shit never hurt anybody. But um, just want to go on to the next one. Uh, you were on Bloke in a Bar's podcast the other day, that four-hour long podcast. What, a, um, what an epic that yeah. was. Far out. Went forever, mate. It's a marathon. Um, I think I got about two hours in and then he had to go and do schoolwork. So I was just... Two hours is enough, trust me. No, I just made sure I got around to the uh, Parramatta stuff so I could just get get what you had to say about that in. Um, How did that come around and sort of what was it like to be involved with uh, Denon and that sort of, um, that podcast, how big it is? Yeah, mate, it was unreal to be honest with you. A bit of, um, I'm sort of... I like to think I don't have too many of those like uh, those fanboy uh, sort of moments, you know. But that, that 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 was a really big step for me as far as going on that podcast and just being invited on with, with two former players to to talk footy. Uh, r- rugby league's a bit like the way I described it is like it's a bit like high school, and it's like when the it's almost like when the popular kids sort of approve of you in high school, it sort of changes a little bit. And I've noticed that over the last few days, which is just as crazy as it sounds. But as soon as, you know, a, a Denim Kemp says that he likes my posts and they make sense and they make sense to former players, it sort of just changes 
the way that a, that a lot of people look, look at my page. And I've had a lot of people message me and say that over the last few days. So going going on there was unreal, mate. And uh, mate, I'm, I'm like you. I'm just a rugby league nut. So to be able to sit next to a guy like Brett Finch for four hours and talk footy, Finch is a guy that I, I watched growing up and absolutely loved and just loved the way that he went about his footy and travelled around. And obviously he's Robert Finch's son. So there's a heap of rugby league history and he's you know so, so some of the stuff that Finchie's seen and that he's been through it's just unreal to be able to sit, sit with him and talk and even talk to him off mic uh he's a very different bloke off camera to what he is on camera and I mean he's a guy that was doing you know he, he was one of the faces for Ch- channel nine two or three years ago so to be able to sit next to him and talk footy was unreal and Denon's just uh he's a genius mate he plays he plays the role of, um, you know, being one of the boys, which he is, but he's he's so smart that it's that side of people that I I don't think people see, see enough of. And when you walk into that studio and you see how organised it all is, um, you know, the, all, all the little tiny things that he does that, that you, you would never see coming across your Instagram page or your Instagram stories it was unreal to see. He really is top shelf uh, professional and he's good at what he does. You know, everyone just thinks he's the... Yeah, he's the funny guy that talks shit, but he really is a smart fellow, mate, and he's done incredibly well. I mean, I'm talking to you, t- talking to you now, and you know, you've got your bloke in a bar jumper on, which is unreal, and it's crazy to think that a guy that played, you know, 40, 45 first grade games has done what he's done. Like, there's been, and and that's no knock on Denon. If anything, it's a compliment that there's been guys that have achieved so much more in our game, but they haven't been able to do what he's been able to do as far as media and everything goes, even with the help of. League Channel Nine, these sort of big things. Denon's just done it off his own back, so it is. It's incredibly impressive what he's done, mate. And it, yeah, it was it was a pretty surreal feeling to get the opportunity to go in there and and just sit with them and just learn from Denon and what he does, how he goes about social media, podcasting, and everything. It was unreal, mate. Yeah, no, that just sounds like a dream come true for me. I I love sitting there watching their um round reviews. Uh, sort of the inspiration for my last podcast that I came out with the round review. But um, I love sitting there listening to. Uh, Brett Finch as well like some of the stuff that he says about footy you can tell he's been through the wars and he's a genius he's mate he's, he's got one of the best footy brains in our game and I don't know just because of off field stuff and because he's got a stigma to him people I don't know I, 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 I think it's very unfair how he's been treated by Fox League and Channel 9 and you know yeah. even when I put up posts you know where, where where me and Finchie were talking the other day and the amount of comments that came in like oh is he off his head is he high is he drunk like the, the narrative that the media sells you about Brett Finch is nothing like what the real Brett Finch is like. I sat with him for 45 minutes before we started recording our podcast and, mate, I couldn't shut him up about his daughter. There was no stories about benders or drugs or a- any of that stuff that, that the yeah. the media portrays to you that Brett Finch is like. He's a real down-to-earth guy. He's a champion fella and I... um. Yeah, mate, I, I just love sp- spending time with him, whether it was on or off the podcast. He's just an unre- a real fella to talk to and a, a great football mind. I've got a I've got a lot of respect for Finchie. Like I know a lot of the stuff that he's sort of been criticised about. You you just think like, what do you have something better to do than just bag some bloke who's who's providing a lot in this sort of industry and like the podcasting industry and the footy industry in general with some of the knowledge that he can impart on people. And the main thing that they focus on is that whole oh, is he high? Is he is he on drugs and benders, all that sort of stuff? Like, uh, and it's funny, mate, like, like Finchie provides so much content, so many great stories that people love and they tell their mates about it and they laugh and it brings enjoyment to them. But then they're also the first people to try and bring him down for that same... Like, it's just very backwards. We 
it's always been the way in rugby league. We love a character until we've got a character, and then we want to bring them down again. And Finchie's just been the scapegoat of that for too long. But hopefully, social media and, and the way that rugby league's heading now, we are sort of starting to change that narrative through guys like Brandon Smith, Josh Adokar, these sort of fellas. So it's good to see, mate. Yeah, well, it's the sort of good and bad of social media. You can get a lot more insight, but then there's the people that get on their users of form to just bag people, which like. I'd never, I'd never agree with that sort of stuff. Yeah, like, I, I think it was, um, I think it was Isaac John said to me once that, you know, um, if you have a hammer, like you can, you can kill someone with a hammer, or you can build a house with it. Social media is the same. You can do so many good things, but you can also so easily do so many bad things. Like I, I'd love for people to see on a page like mine, or like Clarkie's, or NRL Roast, or 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 Denon's, like the amount of people that make fake profiles and add us, and then start commenting shit that we have to block and restrict. It's just the amount of people that made a you know a, a page like mate the, the amount of people that have added me in the last eighteen months and their Instagram name is Jack DeBellin, just yeah. like like just trying to get that cheap shit or the amount that are that are named Brett Finch and try and just comment stupid shit like they're off their head and stuff it's 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 really unfortunate but it is a small minority but unfortunately mate small minorities they're normally the loudest aren't they Yeah no you definitely definitely notice that even like there's some trend going around Instagram now that bloody there's Buzz Rothfields and Brad Fittlers and that they're coming underneath everything. Like, you know, the best thing about those is mate on pages like, like, like mine and, and, and roasty as well. I know for sure that what they don't realize is that there's a, um, there's a restrict button so we can restrict them. So what it means is that they're commenting on every post on social media, trying to get attention, but no one else can see it other than them. So you got yeah. these guys constantly trying to get attention and they're wondering why no one's liking their stupid comments, which then pushes them to try harder on the next one. And what they don't realize is that, you know, people, you know, like, like myself, like an RL Rose, like we, we don't want that, that that sort of shit getting around. Like, no, it, it might be funny the first time you see it, the seventh, eighth and the fifth hundredth time. It's just ridiculous, you know? Yeah, my, my view on it is that they all saw what that fake Gus Gould account was doing. Yep. Like that was, that original one, I found it hilarious for a little bit. Yeah, same. Everyone yep. to try and take that sort of mold and just try and, I don't know, get clout from a sort of idea. Same sort of thing, though. That that, that Gus Gould one, when you first saw it, it was hilarious. I mean, here we are a few months on, and we still, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things that if, if you're the first guy, it's funny. If you're the fifth, hundredth guy, I mean, it's a very different story, you know? Um, question I got for you. Where did the uh, love for rugby league originate from? Like, what was your uh, what was your childhood like with rugby league? How did it sort of all come about? Yeah, and I've just always loved the game. Uh, I grew up in Sydney, so played footy when I was younger. Wasn't too crash hot, realistically. Um, and I don't know, just always loved the game, mate. Love watching it. I grew up sort of in the eastern suburbs, so we were we're members of the SFS. So it meant that. You know, I could go and watch every single game there. And back in the day, like the Roosters played there, the Rabbitohs played there. Um, so you at least had one game of footy on every single weekend at the SFS, which was unreal. Then finals would come around. There'd be games played there as well. So, mate, I was very lucky where I grew up that I was able to go and watch footy. My family's always been footy fanatics. My old man coached me. Then my uncle coached me. And uh, now I'm coaching an under-16 side with my uncle that coached me, and we're coaching his son, you know. So we're just a rugby league mad family. Um my girlfriend, who I've been with for four or five years, her her family are the most South Sydney crazed fans of all time. Like it's just, it's batshit crazy. But I absolutely love that. I'm not a South fan myself. I don't have a team, but 
I just love being around rugby league. It's unreal. There's just nothing better than it. Still coaching now. Um, you know, I had someone message me the other day and say, oh, "How much do you, how much do you get paid to coach?" And I just went, "Fuck, you don't know anything about junior footy, do you? Like, it's it's passion and and nothing more. Essentially, you'd know that yourself. You're 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 around the junior grades and stuff like that. Uh, but mate, I've just always loved the game and I love the direction it's heading over the last few years through you know heaps of other pages, including myself, where we are starting to head down a more positive route uh, as far as our players go and the way that we react to moments and stuff like that and um yeah I, I sort of started off you know sh- sharing scores and updates and all that sort of stuff but it's more been uh, my personal analysis and all that uh, as I've moved forward which is something I've really enjoyed I'm just I'm one of those guys I'm like you I, I, I could sit at a pub at a table and would have eight different blokes walking over six hours of super Saturday and mate I'd be in my element you know whether I'm talking to one person at a pub or on the podcast talking to a few thousand people just just love the game like yourself, mate. No, that's sort of sort of how I've started. Like you just sort of reminded me how I've kind of come about. Me and one of my mates, this is how my podcast idea sort of came around. One of my mates used to have phone calls for like four hours, five hours, just talking about footy. Like we would just sit there talk about para because we are both mad para fans. We'd just be sitting there talking about how the round went, how teams will go in the future. And I just sort of sat there thinking, like, I've been watching Bloke in a Bar, Hello Sports, one of them. Um, How good's Hello Sports? Far out. I love those blokes, mate. They are unreal. No, the only knock on them is the fact they always bag in para. They <laughs> give it to para, yeah. <laughs> um, that's sort of how it started for me as well. And I just love talking footy. And that, like, all me, ma- all me mates gave me the nickname Gus like three months ago because they just give it to me about how I sort of analyze footy and all the stats I bring up randomly, all that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah sort of similar to you. Nah, mate, I've been in a very, my, my mates, when I was coming through school, they used to tell me that I had a rugby league autism because I could just remember anything and everything that was completely random about rugby league, but couldn't tell you where my keys were, you know? Um, so, you know, I'm in a very similar boat. I've been called Gus a fair few times on my page and in person too. It's unreal. No, it's, um, just start to talk a little bit of footy. Start yep. to uh, we'll get we'll get the uh, flow state going on the <laughs> uh, footy. Um, we'll start with uh, Para. Obviously, my my team, diehard fan. Um, we'll just start off with how they've sort of faded in this last ten round or the last sort of five to six rounds. Just brought up a few stats for you. Yep, they've lost. Well, they've lost five of their last seven, as you know. But the main concerning thing for mine, which is a trend that I saw last year, was their attacks just faded. They averaged 14.5 points per game in the last seven rounds. Last year, in the last 10 rounds, they averaged 18 points per game. What do you think sort of the issue with their attack and how their attack goes in the back half? Mate, I'm not sure if it's specifically their attack or their defense. I just feel like this is a team that, get to the back end of the season and there starts to be some pressure on them there starts to be expectations and I'm starting to wonder if it's a psychological thing to be honest with you I mean like like their their attack does this every year like every single year we get to this back end and they look unreal they look great and then they get to the business end and they just fall off and I kind of feel sorry for them that that this year the way that the draw has played out that like they've had to play the top five teams over the last, including the next two weeks, they're going to have to play the top five teams over 
was it six to seven weeks? You you you'd know better than me, but I remember looking at that draw and just going, "Good God!" Like this is a team that they've always struggled to play finals footy in the first place. Now they have to play two months of finals footy. It's a tough gig, and I mean, mate, it, it, there's only about four other teams in this competition that you could replace Parramatta with and give them that draw, and they'd be okay. The other twelve would struggle as well. I think it's just because Parramatta and who they are and. It's been so long since they've won. Like, it all sort of builds to the narrative of that that sort of chokers tag almost. And, like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you'd be able to t- talk about it more, more than me because you'd hear it all the time and feel it all the time. But I do feel sorry for them how this draw has played out. And I, I look at their side and how many really talented footballers in that team. There's no doubt about that. Like, I, I think Mitch Moses is unreal. Reid Marnie was arguably the form hooker of this competition. I love Nathan Brown. Junior Paulo's one of the best front rowers in the game. Matto, like I, I could talk about this side all day. And when you look at their team, nowhere that you really need to massively upgrade. You've got solid players everywhere. You don't have the best players in the position anywhere. But you also just like that real winner for me. I feel like when down in games and they're in crunch moments, like they have been the last few weeks, they don't have that Cameron Munster or that, you know, the Cameron Smith last year, or the Tom Jawoobies. They just don't have that James Tedesco, that one guy that they can give the ball to, and they can just create something out of nothing. And it's really hard to create that guy without having someone to guide that guy in the first place. Like, when, when, I, when I was talking to Finchie the other night, I, sp- I said to him, like, like what, what sort of an influence did playing with Brad Fittler and Laurie Daly have on you? And he said, oh, mate, like, it just lifts everyone on the field around you. I feel like Parramatta, whilst they've got really good players... They don't have that specific guy that just takes them to, to another level. As an Eels fan, what would you say to that? I think Clint Gutherson as a player yeah. is, I feel exactly how the team is. Like he's our captain and he's sort of, he's the physical embodiment of what our team is because he, his effort areas are phenomenal. Like I'd, yeah. I'd say he has the biggest crack of nearly anyone in the comp, but he's just not that X factor. Like he doesn't come out and, Take a take a game on his back and break through five tackles and draw him past a fullback, sort of that sort of stuff. Just that's why I wanted I wanted Katoni Staggs when there was yeah. talks around him signing with the club. I thought he would have been great. And um, with our current side, the guy who I think can be that guy for us in the future, especially if we give him some good mentorship, would be Dylan Brown. I think as a twenty year old five eight, the way he's playing is phenomenal. Like people are bagging him this year. They forget that he's only 20 yep. and then he hasn't had much experience in the NRL. He's also uh, had injuries as well that have really, like they've really crippled him. Like those first few years are just so important. And I mean, I mean, like we, we've, we've all had a bad back at one point. We know how much it can just affect everything. And I really do feel sorry for Dill because I've got huge raps on him as well, mate. I completely agree. I, um, I don't mind the idea. I've spoken about this with my old man on the last podcast and podcast before, but I don't I don't mind the idea of Dylan Brown going a fullback. Give him a little bit more room in attack because he'd be getting the ball off the halves. Give him a little bit more running room because I think his running game is the most destructive part about him. He yeah. can break through tackles, make line breaks, has good run meters, like the sort of stuff that he could do at fullback would allow him to open up his game a lot more, in my opinion. What's your sort of thoughts on that? Mate, when I was on uh, on that podcast the other night, Denon had a really interesting take, which I've never even really thought about. He said he, he'd move him um, into the centres. And I straight away sort of went, oh, geez, I don't know about it. Cause, because I just love him so, so much at 5'8". Um, personally, I would rather have him in the spine than out in the centres. So I would rather ha- have him at fullback than there. But I just think... 
it's where it gets hard. I just think Parramatta they've got to they, they've got to find a way to sign a guy that's a true winner. Like when I have a look at your squad, um, off the top of my head, I, I think there's two guys that have won premierships. Blake Ferguson's one of them. And I mean, he's not in your side week to week realistically, and he's a winger. Your other one is Ryan Madison, who I'm a big fan of Matto, but he he was coming off the bench in that Rooster side. Like he wasn't a real role player in that team, you know what I mean? So it's sort of it becomes really hard to go to that next level when you've got no one that has gone to that next level before. And I feel like they just need to find a way to... And I, I don't even care what position it is. Honestly, if it's anywhere from 7, 6, or 1 that you can find one of those guys, bring them in. If it's going to be a 7, I move Mitch Moses to 6. I move Dylan Brown and Guthrie around. I find spots for them. If it's a fullback, I move Guthrie around. I would be happy to move any of those guys around out of their positions as long as you could, as long as you could accommodate that guy to come in. But... If if I'm a big name player who I know that I've won premierships, I know that I can win more competitions. With all due respect to you, I think it's going to be tough for someone to convince me to go to Parramatta. There's just so yeah. much pressure and expectation, and yeah, it's a tough gig. And God, like I, I, I feel for Parramatta fans like yourself because you are, you know, you're always relevant. You're always in the top top six teams. I mean, I I, I called you a top four team all season, and. Whilst you're not a top four team now, I mean, compared to the rest of the competition, like you might as well be, you know, like you're always going to be in that top six. I just can't see you taking that next step to put you in that conversation with Melbourne, Manly, Penrith. You know what I mean? I've sort of thought it and said it for the last few years. I'm not sure how we can, we don't have a Cameron Munster, like you said, we don't have a Tom Dubovic. Like I've got, I've got wraps on a lot of our players. I think they're all very quality players, but we just don't have a guy that's going to take us take us to the promised land. Yep. Like, yep. And those I'm, guys are hard to find too. Like I'm, I'm making it sound easy. Just go and get one of them. It's a, it's a hard thing to do. It's damn difficult. I'm hoping. I'm at this point. It's just off a of hope and a prayer. But I'm hoping Dylan Brown can become that guy once he hits the peak. Like you talk about the peak for a half being 27 to 30. I think once he hits that that sort of age group, I think he can be that guy for us. But at the moment, I'm finding it hard to believe anybody would come and sign with us, especially with the um, guys we're trying to re-sign at the moment yeah. for our next year. It, yeah, it's just going to be tough. I, I think your big test with Dylan Brown, obviously, what, how old is he, 22? 20, is he a little bit older? Um, I thought he was 21. Okay, well, mate, let, let, let Let's say he's 21, 22. I mean, for him to play his best footy, that's five years away. I mean, are, are you confident you're going to be able to keep Dylan Brown for the next? I mean, people are criticizing the hell out of him right now after people were praising him so much last year. I mean, and I, I, I know for a fact that there will be other clubs that are looking at Dylan Brown. You know, the, 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 the teams at the top would be crazy not to go after a Dylan Brown, especially now when his value is potentially a, a little bit down. I think it's going to be hard for you guys to keep Dylan Brown moving forward. Um, I'm hoping we don't lose him. My guys, the guys in the team that I value as our priority signings over the next few years, uh, Reid Marnie, yep. Dylan, obviously, and Mitch Moses. Like I think those guys are going to be super important for us. Keeping our spine intact is going to be just as important um, as any other, like, our forward pack's amazing, but I'd prioritise making sure our spine stays intact at the moment. Do you um do you not put Gutho in, in that group for a reason or I Gutho, to, to, to be honest with you, Gutho, I kind of agree with you, but yeah, proceed. G- 
Gutho just worries me a little bit with the way he's been playing in the last few weeks. I love him as a player. He's probably my favourite player at the moment. But he's just as starting to creep into his game. There's all the talk around him wanting um, more than what he's on at the moment. I value him as maybe a 750, 800,000 sort of player. I think if he starts asking for more than that, you start to turn towards your younger blokes and say, well, we got to keep these guys. We can't be paying you over that sort of margin. I love him as a player and his effort and his leadership. You can tell it, it you can tell it affects our side in a positive way. Yep. You just, you don't know. You don't know with him at the moment. Oh, um, I think it'd be dead. really interesting to see you guys without Clint Gutherson. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't think he's missed much footy over the last few years. Like, It'd be interesting. He to, that, yeah. yeah. He had that ACL injury a few years back, but apart from that, he hasn't really had anything. He hasn't, yeah. Like over the last two or three years off the top of my head, I don't remember him being out for two. It would be really interesting to see guys go without Clint Gutherson to see if he is as impactful as what... Like, oh, I agree with you, mate. I think he's a really good player. I, th- I think he's a top 10 fullback, but the gap between probably the fifth best fullback and the sixth best fullback is massive. And he sort of sits on that other side of the top five, you know what I mean? No, I, I'd say we just need an X-Factor. Like, yep. Gutherson, love his work, love what he's provided for us as a club, but he's not that guy. He's just not that guy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he's a great leader, mate. And as you said, the effort he puts in, no one could ever question that. No matter how much you might not like Gutherson or whatever, you could not possibly question how hard he goes and the effort he puts into it. And, like, the other day, he, he, he got in a bit of trouble for swearing and yelling on the field, I mean... Shows he cares, you know. Shows that he genuinely wants to win, which I would never question that of Gutho. But it says more about the high-end talent in the fullback position in the rest of the competition than what it says about Gutho for me. If we can't get another fullback that's um, on par with Gutho or has a little bit more X-factor than what Gutho has, I'm more than happy to sign him for 900000 because you think about you think about signing someone and people say, oh, boot this bloke off the team. We don't want him anymore. But you've got to realise there's not much else out in the market to try and replace that bloke. When Mitchell Moses was in contract talks, everybody was saying, nah, get rid of him. Don't want him here. He's not going to win a premiership for us. And I just thought, well, who are you going to replace him with? Who else is out in the market that's that's better than him sort uh, of thing? Yeah, and, and that's your big thing, mate. If you're going to let go of one of your top three best players, you need to replace them with a player that's better than them. And there's not many of them around. Like, as far as Mitch Moses goes, like, as far as I'm concerned, I think there's only about six halfbacks in this competition you genuinely want to be in your team wearing the seven. And Mitch Moses, he's probably at the back end of that, but he's one of those ones that I personally, I think if I've got Mitch Moses, at least I am a really good chance to play finals footy this year. There's a lot of other halfbacks you're not, and the other good halfbacks are all signed up somewhere or not really leaving anytime soon. It's... uh. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I think you said we're going to touch on junior footy later, but I, I think it is definitely, as far as halves goes, the, the development of halves through junior grades is something that to be seriously looked at. Yeah, we'll just go on now. We've talked about para for a fair bit of time. We'll go on to our uh, arch rivals, the Hello Sport Boys team, uh, Manly. I'm, I'm hating what I'm seeing out of Manly, not because they're playing bad footy, because they're just playing... They're playing great footy, and yeah. I hate to see it personally. But you got to congratulate Des on what he's done with this side. Like a few of the guys that he's picked up, like Kamala Kawatu, Taniela Paseka, I love the look of them. 
and they're all young blokes as well. I think this squad, if they can keep it together, and especially with the juniors coming through, which we'll touch on in a second, they could be a dynasty for the next 10 years, 15 years. It's scary. Yeah, mate. I think especially um, when I was on Denon's podcast the other day, we, we were given this massive notepad. It was huge. It was about 300 pages, and I went through every team, and, it's, and it said when guys were signed up to, when they were coming off contract. And when you look at the way that Ban- the Manly have balanced their squad, honestly, it's unbelievable. Like, they've got... They got DCE coming off contract in 2023, I think it was. So what's that, another, including this year, that's another three more seasons. And you would assume that DCE would be done after that. And once he is done, they're going to free up so much money there. And then they've got like four or five of these young guys that you've just spoken about in, you know, Schuster, Olaquati, these sort of guys coming off contract at the end of 2023 as well. I think it's going to time perfectly. And I think the other advantage for Manly is that their team is going to be built around Jake and Tom, who are real traditionalists. They are manly through and through. I believe they would take less money to stay at Manly to give them an opportunity to buy other guys to to, to be successful. It's in, you know I, I was saying on that podcast the other night. It's incredible how it's landed that these two are proper manly juniors, and thankfully for Manly, they're the two best blokes in the world. And you just know that they will take a little cut here and there to be able to keep the quality guys around them and. Fuck, even if they don't, the way that Tom's playing, he could have you and me around him, couldn't he? Like, he's just unbelievable. He's in he's in the greatest form run I think I've ever seen personally. Like, yep. I look back to 2009 Jared Hayne and watching that, I was, only, I was only real young, but that's just, that's what inspired me to get into footy. Like, so I started playing footy the next year and I started running around doing the Hayne plane. But that, the form that Jared Hayne was in that year, it's... I don't think it's as good as what Tom Dravojevic is doing. Tom Dravojevic at the moment is doing whatever he wants to whoever he wants. He's just unbelievable at the moment. And um, I think you talked about the uh, contracts for Manly. I think I saw that part. It's Isn't it like 15 of 17 of their starting squad at the moment don't come off contract till like 2024 or whatever, whatever it was? Mate, it's crazy to think like when you look at that side now and it's going to stay the same for the next two years, those kids are only going to improve and... Like, you, you have a look at their starting 13 at the moment, or like at full strength a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they didn't have Josh Alloyer. They don't have Curtis Sirenen in that 13, and they're not missing them at all. Could you imagine how many teams would be begging to have those two guys in their footy side? It's unbelievable. No, they're unbelievable at the moment. And what I wanted to touch on, because I watched a um, lot of their footy during the Howard Matthews season, and I know how the SG ball side went, didn't watch as much of them. But Howard Matthews and SG Ballside, so Manly are also phenomenal. Like that junior system they've got in place could mean those guys can just slot in as well, fill in key positions. Oh, mate, that, that Harold Matthews, I only got to see them play twice, but it was, it was boys versus men, wasn't it? They were just yeah. incredible. And it's, you know, the, the Harold Matz, uh competition's always the same. You, you check the scores every Sunday night or whatever and see what happened. And, it's just you just saw Manly scoring 40, 50, 40, 50, like just unreal. And then uh, I can't remember who, who I got to see them play against because uh, my brother's playing in the Harold Mats, and I, I don't think he ended up playing Manly that season in the end of it. But um, yeah, the the game, the the two games that I saw them play, they were unreal. So a heap of local talents there, and you know, Manly being Manly, they'll keep so many of these guys. And you know, that, that's the yeah. other thing, the big advantage you get with Tom and Jake is that they're going to be down around those Harold Matthews games. So these guys are looking up to those those fellas. They want to come into that system. And 
Mate, the other one we haven't even spoken about is uh, Finer. I mean, if he's not the best hooker at that club, I'll give it away. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it's crazy to think where they are. Like, with all due respect to Lachlan Kroger, he, he's a good solid nine, but mate, I'll, I'll take 70% of Finu over 100% of Croker, you know? Yeah. No, Fainu is going to be very, very good for them if he comes back, yeah. when he comes back. And that just that just spine, that spine's going to look phenomenal, isn't it? Like, in the coming years. I know Daly Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran are probably close to the end of their career, but then you replace... Um, Kieran Foran with Josh Schuster, he just walks up into the six spot. He's a phenomenal player. Got massive raps on him. Yeah. And then you got Matty Fainu. Like he'll he'll have a few years in him uh, once he comes back. Hopefully he does come back. I love watching him play. Tom Trevojevic, he's only twenty four. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's a, another scary thing about him. He has another what eight years of footy left in him. This might not be his best. And that that's the thing. You you think about. Let's say DC and Foz retire in two years' time. I mean, every single halfback on the market, if they're not going to the Roosters or to the Melbourne Storm, you know where they're going to want to go to next. They're going to want to play with Tom Trevojevic. Anyone that wants to win a premiership wants to be at a club that can win it, and Manly is always going to be one of those as long as they've got Tom Trevojevic in their side. So it helps their recruitment as well. I mean, like like going back to the Parramatta example, I mean... I, I, there's not too many guys in that Parramatta team that I'm like, oh, if I go there, I can win a comp with him. Whereas you look at that Manly side and straight away you go, Tom and Jake, I can I can lift a trophy there just by standing near those guys, you know? Yeah. No, they're, they're ridiculously good players. I'd, oh, I'd give anything to have, him, have Tom on my team, Jake on my team. And they're in key positions as well. Like the one in the 13 in the modern game of footy, uh, arguably the best, uh, arguably two of the most important positions on the field. You'd throw the seven into there as the other really important one. But apart from that, you look at the uh, teams with good, uh, the teams that are going good at the moment, you think uh, Roosters, Storm, even though Roosters are injured and they're very wounded, but you look at their one and the 13, even Panthers, and they're just phenomenal players. Like they, Their key positions are filled by great players. Not to say... Like for Para, Gutherson and Nathan Brown, they're phenomenal players, but not X factors like Tom Travojevic and Jake Travojevic or Victor Radley and James Tedesco. <laughs> These are yeah, oh mate, players. it's scary, and it, it's you almost feel sorry for Parramatta because they are a really, really good team. They are they are heaps better than twelve teams in this competition, but they're just not as good as the other four. And you, you, you mate, the. You, you guys would cop less criticism if you were 11th instead of 6th, realistically. Yeah, like, it's so rough and it's so heavy on Brad Arthur, but you also want to be a team that can win a competition, not stays relevant, you know, because they, they, these windows, they close so quickly. And, I mean, what you'd know better than me. What, what, what was your last prem? 86? So it's, the, yeah. you know, so, sorry to bring it up, but, you know, 30 or 40-odd years. And, you know, we, we saw the, you know, 2001 you should have won. Shit the bed there. I still don't know how you didn't win that premiership. Oh nine came around, weren't able to get the job done there. And if if this current window closes without a premiership, that is serious trouble. It'll be devastating. Oh mate, I I, I don't even go four years, and it'll be devastating for me. You know, because those guys they they worked hard enough to be higher than where they are. I I think now it's just a psychological thing, to be honest with you. With what. BAA has done for the club and what Gutherson's done for the club. They deserve to win a premiership. I just, 
this Storm side, this Manly side, this Panthers side, I don't see them going away for the next five, ten years. Um, just just before we get off that, I, I was actually thinking the other day, um, you obviously signed a young fullback from Manly a couple of years ago, Clint Gutherson. Can you imagine if it was Tom Travojevic? If you managed oh. to land the other guy? <laughs> Scary to think about, I, isn't it? I don't, I don't want to think about it, really. Yeah. Um, we'll just go back onto the junior footy now. Uh, obviously, we've got this whole COVID lockdown going on. It looks like the boys are going to be missing another full season of Howard Matthews, SG Ball, Jersey Flag. How do you think this whole situation with less footy for the juniors is going to affect the NRL in the future? Oh, it's going to be massive, mate. And I don't think people, I don't think people are prepared for it. And unless you're, unless you're in the junior footy game and you, you, you know, you're out there actually watching these games of football like like, like you and me are, you don't realise the sort of effect it's going to have. We're already struggling to get enough kids. Like I'm sure, out your way. It's heaps better. I, I I see the amount of divisions and stuff you, you guys have got out there. But like over my way, there's just like I I coach in the under 16s South Sydney comp and three teams playing. There's three teams. Three teams of 20. That's 60 kids that are age 16 that have decided I want to play rugby league this year. Like that's unbelievable. We've had to merge with Amain and St George or Cronulla. Well, one of those two comps. Um, and it's an eight-team comp. So across all those divisions, there's, what, eight times 20? There's 160, 180 kids that have decided, oh, I'm going to play rugby league this year. Like, it is tough, man. It's brutal. And then you get to that Harold Matz level, and obviously a lot of the, the, the kids from out Penrith and Parramatta, your way, like the like my, my brother's in the Rooster system at the moment, and they played half of their Harold Matz last year. It got canned halfway through. Then they came back. They moved the age group up, which... I also kind of disagree with, but anyway. Um, and then he got to play a full Harold Matt season this year. But in moving forward now, all these kids are going to come into a Harold Matt season without playing any footy all year. Some of them would be lucky enough to have played a bit of schoolboy footy and stuff, but it's tough. It's brutal. And especially, and you know, like your, your, your forwards, your centers, your wingers, they'll be okay, but it's your halves. It's your halves that you're really going to feel the effect on and your hookers as well. And even, yeah, I mean, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you'd agree. As we said, you know, you look around this competition and there's five or six halfbacks you actually want on your team. You go and have a look at the halfbacks that are available for next season to be signed somewhere. They're dog shit. They've all got England written across their foreheads with all due respect to them. We're just not producing the same class of halves. Like I was talking to, I was talking to Finchie the other night about when he was playing and, Mate, he would come up against a state of origin caliber halfback every second week. I mean, you look around, you know, you, you obviously had Joey, but you had, you know, Matty Orford, Brent Sherwin, like Orford and Sherwin never played origin during then because there was too many other good halfbacks. Like if you put Shifty and Orford in the modern game, top three halfbacks for me straight away. No, it's definitely a um, problem. But what I've, what I've noticed is that um, caliber of talent is shifting to fullback. Yep. You see a lot more. Um, you see a lot more quality fullbacks. Like it's so hard to rank one to ten who your best fullbacks in the comp are because there's just so many guys that can fill that position. And with the halfbacks, the most important thing for a halfback is um, is game experience. I played. I played a season in the halves myself back in me Division Three Hill Bulls days. Love and it. That, <laughs> gotta love it. Um, that if I hadn't played it before and the first couple of games I went out there and played, I 
I looked like a chicken with my head cut off. I didn't know what I was doing. And I can't relate to that big, that bigger game experience for a half. It's hard to come out there and be switched on from day dot. It's incredibly difficult. And these kids, they're not going to do it for... That's why, mate, I, I, I think what Sam Walker and like Toby Sexton have done, because they weren't playing rugby league last year. Sam yeah. Walker definitely wasn't. For him to come in and do what he's done... And that's something that no one talks about, which blows me away, that the kid, he missed his football from age 17 to 18, and he's walked into yep. first grade, he's doing what he's doing. And I, 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 I would like to, well, I don't like to think, but I, I would assume that he's going to be the exception to that because so many kids that are missing out on so much footy, and that's the other thing as well. Like, so many of these kids that didn't play footy this year that were 18 or so, I mean, they were going to concentrate on footy this year do they now start to turn to, oh, geez, I should probably go out and get a job. I can't just sit here and do nothing for six to eight months, you know? So it's also going to be another wave of kids that you could lose there as well. So I think it's going to have a huge effect. And I think the way that we've moved the Harold Mats and the SG ball back, like it used to be under 16s and 18s, now it's 17s and 19s. And I look at SG ball and I mean, geez, you, you would have to be one hell of a serious footballer to keep playing SG ball when you're 19, when you're finished school and you should probably be out getting a job, especially if you're from the country or something, you don't have a school to put you up in a place, uh, you know, a place to live or whatever. It's going to be really difficult to see. And I, I, I think eventually they're going to have to change it back at some point, but and means that another group has to miss out because they moved it a few years ago when I, I and you know, I, I, I should have been the number one guy to say, yeah, move it back because my brother missed out on half his Harold Matt season. But I, I just think that they should have just copped that on the chin and said, hey, it was a pandemic. What can we do sort of thing, you know? But it's a tough situation. It's very, very tough for our juniors. And especially when it's becoming so hard, so much harder to get people into the game, especially you see you see a lot of parents saying, no, I don't want my little uh, scrawny white kid to go up against some of these big, big boys that we're seeing coming through. Oh, mate, some some of the kids are, you know, especially from out your way, like, if you, there's, and like you, you know better than anyone, every single Harold Matts team has a kid that appears one year that comes from nowhere and he's their best player. And they say, oh, where did he come from? And they'll say, oh, he, he didn't make the Parramatta side or he didn't make the Penrith side. And then they go to one of these other teams like Manly or the Roosters or South Sydney and they just absolutely brain it. Like, the talent yeah. and the size out there is just crazy. Yeah. Parramatta and Penrith juniors are looking very good. And that's why I watch our juniors and I think... But I watch the juniors most year and think, yeah, we're going good. We, they might be able to funnel through these guys. And then we end up losing them to Manly. There's a um, there's a young player that plays Howard Matthews that absolutely tore us up in the grand final, uh, grand final Latu Fainu. He's uh, the younger brother of Manessi, and he was a para junior. He plays out here for Guildford, yep. and he just he's an absolute gun. But again, we lost him to Manly, and he's coming out and he's flying. But again, he's a half, so you don't know if he's going to be able to come back in in the future, come into SG Ball and all that, and be able to keep up his form and then make the NRL top thirty. <laughs> And, and, and I think this is what people undervalue so much. You know, you talk about old players and guys who didn't play much first grade and people sort of giggle and it's like, fuck, do you realise how hard it is? Like, yeah, the, the the guy that you think is the shittest NRL player, he's in the top 1% of people to ever play rugby league. 
Yeah. It is so hard to make it through those ranks, get through all the injuries, get through all the politics, be at the right place at the right time, be at the right team at the right time. And, you know, you, you, you talk about guys like like Matty Johns, for example. Like, he just came through in a bad era for, for five eights. Like, if he was around now, he'd probably be a top three, five eight in the game instead of being a top ten guy when he played. And he's unlucky. But then think about for every Matty Johns that's unlucky once they get to first grade, there are a thousand guys that were just unlucky as they came through the position yeah. they were in, where they were, the injuries they had, the, the the people that the coaches that did or didn't like them for whatever ridiculous reasons. Like, yeah, I, I think it's something that people take for granted way too much, how hard it is to make it into first grade. And you probably don't realise until you've got mates or you've got a brother or you've got someone who's who's trying to make it themselves. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's so difficult. Yeah, just to put it in pers- into perspective as well, I'll play footy with one of my mates who's just playing Division One footy not even playing Howard Matthews and they'll absolutely carve me up. They'll have so many more skills than I will. They'll, they'll tackle harder, run harder. But then again, you look at the guy, there's guys better than that playing Howard Matthews. And then you think, well, half of those Howard Matthews squads aren't going to make an NRL top 30. And then you think again, well, half of that Mate, NRL top 30 won't make their debut. Probably 80% of those, probably 80, 90% of those Harold Matts teams won't play NRL. Like it's, it, it honestly is unbelievable. And then for every, you know, and it, you know, you hear all the stories about all the guys that they make SG ball, they make the rep teams, you never hear of them again. And then the guys that didn't make it, they're normally better off because they're pissed off they didn't make it and they've got a point to prove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. People don't realise how hard it is to make it. Like, I remember when I was growing up in my under-16 team, we had an unreal team in South Sydney. We didn't lose a game for two or three years. I think we had three guys that were in the Australian schoolboy side. None of them. None of them went past under-20s, you know? it's just, And you could find 10,000 of those stories around the country. Every town's got a player that should have been one of the best ever that didn't make it to first grade, you know? It's a it's a very tough business to be in. You work your whole life towards a certain goal, and it's just. I feel bad for all the kids. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, because of the whole COVID situation going on, that shutting, it's going to shut a lot of kids' dreams off. Yep. Guys that were destined, Guys that were destined to do good things in, in rugby league that have just this has sort of demolished their career sort of thing. Just before you mentioned uh, Toby Sexton, how he's going at half. I really like the look of him. I've loved how he's played for Gold Coast. And that brings us on to our next point. Do you think Gold Coast will be a contender for next year? Uh, Contender to win the premiership? Probably not, realistically. Uh, I think they can definitely make the top eight. They just need to get the very best out of all those guys week in, week out. They're obviously spending a lot of money through the second row, which uh, personally just doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, you have a look at all the teams that are doing well in this competition and paying their lock forward a million dollars. Is anyone playing their yeah. second row a million dollars? Like it's just, it's not a position that leads directly to results, if you know what I mean. 
I just had a few notes here down about what I thought about the Titans. I think they've got a top six forward pack in the competition. Probably will have for a few years. But the fact that they're playing an edge player, my my idea on who million dollar players are is fullback, halfback, lock forward now maybe. Like the top, like a top, top lock forward may get a million. To pay an edge player who's realistically not going to get a lot of the ball a lot of the time, a lot of David Fafita's impact will come off running shape out to him. He's not going to be able to come in and take lots and lots of carries and do a lot of things with the ball. And that's probably going to – that might ruin them in getting a next, next best player, a guy that's going to take them to the premiership. I think that their young players are very promising, like Toby Sexton, Gregory Marsu's doing great things over there. I think he can be like a Brian Toto sort of player with his tough carries, finds the front most of the time. Yeah, the, just the salary cap management may be an issue with the whole Dave Feeder situation. mentioned there, Dave Feeder playing in the second row, you know, he can't come in and have X amount of carries in the middle. And, mate, to be honest with you, I don't understand why the Gold Coast Titans are sticking to such, such a traditionalist way of playing rugby league when they've got something that no one else does and they're spending so much money on that one asset, why are they sitting him out there in a corridor and not bringing him into the game more? Why are they, you know, like, sure, play him in the second row, but give him a license. Let him just roam, let him go. Like, I don't, I think we get, we get stuck too often in these rigid ways of thinking with rugby league. And you have a look at the last decade. And I remember three years ago when I said, oh, putting a front rower in at lock is the biggest waste of a position you could ever do. And people said, you're an idiot. Tom Lolo runs for, a thousand meters, he does this, he does that. It's like, okay, sweet. The Cowboys don't win any games of football, though. Like, it's not helping yeah. them. It's impressive on the stat sheet, and that's great. He's breaking records, but his team's not playing finals footy. Like, yeah. it, like it's so impressive to be doing that, but if it's not leading to results, what's the point? The Cowboys yeah. aren't putting asses in seats because Tao Malolo makes 80 more meters than the next best forward. They're putting asses in seats because they're winning games and they're going to the finals. I just. I just think the Titans, if they're going to go heavy on Tino and Dave Fafita, which I think you can get a result out of doing that, you need to play to those guys. It just doesn't make any sense to me personally, the way that they're going about their footy. I think they're just stuck in a rigid way of, let's just try and do what Melbourne are doing, what the Roosters are doing. You've got a different set of personnel and you've got to work to your strengths. I have such respect for guys like Trent Robinson, Craig Bellamy. The way Craig Bellamy especially moves the game forward, he he's a trendsetter. He looks at his side and he goes, well, I can't play this sort of footy anymore. I've got to change this other style of footy. So I heard Cameron Smith say, I think it was Denon's on SEN, what's it called, the captain's run. He said after that Sharks grand final where they got beat by getting bashed through the middle, Craig Bellamy, Cameron Smith sat down and said, we're going to just play a whole new style of footy now. We're going to... Uh, they're playing, I think, Dale Finucane was there the next year and he was playing more of a um, more of a modern-day locks sort of scenario. The guys started playing a lot more attacking footy and the way that those guys like Craig Bellamy, Trent, Trent Robinson move the game forward and see how like the new rules are progressing the game, it's just I have so much respect for those guys. Mate, it's a, it's a copycat league. Everyone copies what the guys are doing at the top. Um, you look at the teams at the top now, Manly, they've got a ball playing 13. Roosters got a ball playing 13. Melbourne don't really, they they, they sort of use their 13 a little bit differently with, with Brandon Smith, but 
I mean, yeah. he's still a smaller body with incredible leg speed. You look at the Penrith Panthers, Isaiah Yo, like, he is just such a good footballer. And you'll start to get the other teams that'll start to copy it. And, you know, yeah. I, I, how on earth the Cowboys have decided to move away from Tamalolo at 13 and put him on an edge, that has just blown me away. I cannot together what on earth Todd Payton is doing up there. That just makes no sense to me in any way, shape, or form. And yeah, no, I'd, I'd personally like to see uh, Tamalo play prop, just take tough carries. And I think the modern game allows for two sort of styles of lock. You've got your Dea Yo, who ball plays, acts as the link man, or like a Cameron Murray, the way Cameron Murray sort of plays. And then you've got your sort of stronger bodies, but they're the guys that get your set started. So they're you guys that get into the line, find their front, get a quick play of the ball going, and then off the back of that, you start to play your footy. You get your Tom Dravojevic passing it out the back to Jason Saab, going the distance sort of thing. And I think Cameron Murray, for mine, is not already the number one lock in the competition. I'd have to say he's going to be soon because he's got both. He's sort of got both. His carries are very tough. He gets the south set started. You'll see in a lot of their games, Cameron Murray will take a hit up and find his front, get a quick play of the ball. And then as soon as he does, Adam Reynolds is barking orders to start a swing set to the left. And it's just, it happens all the time and everybody knows it's going to happen, but it's just so good that they can't stop it. Well, that's the thing about South Sydney. They don't play, like to, to, to some extent, they do play that traditional sort of out the back, but they, and, and, and Manly's the same, they go out the back and they spread the ball as soon as they see that they, they get the advantage. Whether it's first, second, third, whatever, they don't always wait till fourth tackle. They just wait till Cam Murray puts his nose through or one of those guys grabs a slight advantage and then they go. And back to your point about Cam Murray being the, the, the best lock forward, I, I, I wouldn't argue with that at all. He has to be right up there, the very best of them. But I think your lock forward role, it comes down to how you want to play footy. Like Cam Murray is perfect for South Sydney. But I think, like, when you look at the Roosters, like, Radley is perfect for the way that they play as well. I think Isaiah Yo is perfect for the way that Penrith play, you know. So it, it all sort of depends how you how you go about your footy. And that's the beauty of the 13 role. It's a position that you can sort of pick whatever sort of footballer you want there and you can make it work in your own little way. And there's a lot of teams that haven't been... The, the vast majority of teams haven't been able to work that out. Like, we're just talking about the Titans, I think it was Sam McIntyre started there on the weekend. You had Herman SASA. You had Tyrone Peach. Like, they've got no clue whatsoever what they're doing with that jersey. Tino's been there as well. They haven't worked it out because they're trying to copy what these other teams are doing, but they they just can't um, emulate it, essentially. Um, Just another point on what you said before about them scoring on first and second tackle. I don't know if you watch About Even, the um, Hello Sports betting show that they've got going on, but on that, Michael Pride, who's their sort of professional gambler they got on, he does a little segment at the end where he goes through a stat about the modern game and how it, they can sort of evolve on it. And he said the top six teams in the competition in attack, like just to watch sort of thing, they they score more tries from uh, zero tackle to second tackle than any other team in the comp. Because it's, I think the stats were Storm, Titans, Roosters, Rabbitohs, uh, Panthers, and Manly score more tries from zero to second tackle than any other team in the comp, and they score less in three to five than any other sort of team in the comp because they just they don't care. They'll play expansive footy when they have to. They don't take settler tackles to get up the field and then spread it on a set play. They'll just play a bit more eyes-up footy, which I think really works in the modern game. 
I think the other about thing about and w- without listening uh, to him talk about that, but the, the first thing that comes to my mind is that yes, those teams are scoring more on zero, one, and two, but realistically in the modern game, I'd love to see a deeper stat on how many of those are actually tackle seven, eight, nine, ten. How many of them are scoring tries off these six again calls? Which yeah, it's tackle zero or one, but it's off the back of them winning the momentum on third and fourth, the set before, and then rolling into it. And I mean, mate, we, we've gone through. You know, 60-odd years of rugby league of making five tackles, kick the ball, and it's over. All of a sudden, these guys now, they're having to make, you know, at sometimes 11, 10, you know, 12 tackles in a row, and that's where you really get your advantage. That that stat doesn't surprise me in the slightest, to be honest with you, because as I said, your, your top teams like your Manly and your South Sydney Rabbitohs, as soon as they've got the advantage, they just go, yep, yeah, let's click into gear, and it's and you have to be well-coached to do that. That means that all of your all of your players have to be in the right position or be able to just look at the play of the ball and go, okay, this is it. Let's go. We're on here. Yeah, it's not a halfback saying we're going to 80%, then we're going to swing back, we're going to do this. You don't get two tackles to prepare for that. You've just got to be ready to fall into your place whenever it's on as soon as you win a tackle. So, yeah, I mean, once again, as it has always been with rugby league, it comes back to uh, the best coach teams for me. No, momentum. Momentum now is the most important thing to have. Yep. As soon as you've got, as soon as you've got the ascendancy, you've just got to attack, and you just got to keep building on that momentum as much as you can. Score as many points as soon as you can, because as soon as the other team has momentum, all of a sudden you're on your line and you're defending 11, 12, 13 tackles without, without sort of uh, a break. And then, and then you're cooked, mate. And then you, and the the teams. The vast majority of teams haven't adapted to this yet. And you, you can even see, like, like, like the Gold Coast Titans the other night, they came out firing against the Melbourne Storm. They, they got them on the back foot. And like the Melbourne Storm are a good enough team to wrestle their way back into it. But there's only about four teams that would have wrestled their way back into that because that momentum just kills 80% of yeah. teams in this competition. That's sort of the gap between the top six and the rest of the competition. I think that's what it's sort of built on is just the fact that the top six teams will capitalise on that momentum and the bottom teams, I guess, you can't say they aren't coached well, but they aren't um, coached as well as the other sides are to sort of capitalise on that momentum, play a little bit of eyes up footy, give their halves a licence. Like I think Cody Walker, when I say eyes up footy, because he's just, as soon as they have momentum, he's on the ball and he's throwing cutouts to Alex Johnson. That's part of the reason. He's the leading try scorer in the comp because he's always there ready to score off any tiny, tiny bit of uh, momentum they have. And that's where I made a guy like Cody Walker. He's getting all the raps in the world, which he should be. But, fuck, so much of that comes down to Adam Reynolds inside him and the and the platform that he is constantly laying, the way that he squares up a line. I mean, you go and watch every single pass that Cody Walker's thrown this year and watch the guy that gives him the ball, watch the guy that goes into the mouth of the defense, that takes the back row with him and creates that space for Walker. It, it's Adam Reynolds, and... That's what we spoke about. There's only a couple of halfbacks you want in this competition. Adam Reynolds, without a doubt, he's one of them. For sure. I, I just love watching that Rabbitohs left edge go. It's unreal. Like, 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 yeah. I, I hate it when they're playing para because para's right edge is a little bit... Uh, it's not, not sound in defence, so they yeah. just towel us up every time we play. And like, I think we've conceded 38 points against them the last like six times we played them because they just carve us up down that left edge. It's so good to watch. It's like a well-oiled machine. It is, mate. It is, and it's and the best thing is that it's not like, like the, the the Melbourne Storm for years were, were very similar, but they had your Cooper Cronks and they were a little bit robotic. And every single time, it, it looked the exact same. But you just know that with South Sydney, 
you know, you've got those Indigenous boys that are so talented that as much yeah. as it's the same every time, it always looks a little bit different and it's so high octane. It's so good to watch that South. As I as I imagine when they're up against Parramatta, it must suck. But I'm I'm sure still there must be that that traditionalist inside you that still enjoys watching just that rugby league poetry. And I mean, mate, you, you have a look at all those tries and, you know, you see what Adam Reynolds sees and you look at the defensive line, you're like, they're not short. They're not in trouble. They're not panicking. But South Sydney, they just make it look so easy. They, they, they just make good defence look stupid in an instant. I've never seen a winger play that much touch football in my life. Like Alex Johnson, he just walks over the try line every single time because he just gets the ball put on his chest. And he's a great finisher when he has to be. But a lot of the time, the guys on the inside of him, the Cameron Murrays, the Adam Reynolds, the Cody Walkers, are just setting it up for him to just walk over. And I, I, I think it was one thing that I think for a, you know for the first 15, 16 weeks or whatever we all sort of went oh you know AJ scoring tries because he's outside them but then a couple of weeks ago when you saw um, when you saw Mansour go over there and you could just tell it just wasn't the same there was a couple of times where Mansour got run down and stuff like uh, I think Mansour going there has shown also just how much of a special talent AJ is as well. Yeah. Oh, AJ's, AJ's a great finisher. He's always where he has to be. Yeah. That's that's something that a lot of people underappreciate about a winger. Reliability, is, yeah. Yeah, positional play. Like how deep or how forward a certain winger is, AJ seems to get it perfect every time. Whereas you see other, other guys in the competition are either a little bit too deep or a little bit too short and balls go out of the back over the sideline. Whereas AJ, every single time, He's waiting for that ball out to him. He's in the perfect position. It's one of those things that, that that you assume just being in the right position is easy, but in your run with a ball that is being passed 40 metres inside you and timing it perfectly to be there, whether it's a cutout, whether it's just drawing past down the line, it's incredibly difficult. And then, mate, like, like people that have played footy understand, even catching a ball at that pace... I mean, it's not easy, especially when, when you've got guy, a sliding defense that's coming at you that, that, that's ready to clean you up. I think wingers are really tough stick in the uh, in the modern day. It's, it's a lot harder than, than what people give them credit for. No, it's I've got a lot of respect for Alex Johnson because he's just he's just perfect in everything he does in positional play. And a lot of the great finishers are, like Ruben Garrick and Jason Saab now are starting to get really good combination with Tom Dravojevic. They're starting to get it right. Even Daly Cherry Evans, when he throws that three-man cutout to Saab, it seems to work most of the time. And, mate, and it, it's that fact that they spend so much time together. Like, I have no doubt whatsoever, Josh Adokar, the best winger in the game for me, he's going to arrive at Canterbury next year. He's going to look a little bit clunky to start because he is so used to working with that Melbourne side, working with Olam Munster. It is going to take time. But, but you're right. Like, I mean, Ruben Garrick and Saab, I mean, when they were at the Dragons... I, Honestly, I thought they were both quick, but I didn't think either of them could really play, to be honest with you. But you give them time with an experienced half and a system they're used to and consistent reps. Everything changes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Bulldogs, next year, you talked about Josh Adokar going down there and looking out of place. I think I said this before. There's For the Bulldogs, everybody talks about how good the players are going down there. But I start to question, is it... Is it how good the well the players are obviously very good, but are they a little bit better because of the systems they're in? I think Matt Burton with the Panthers, he's so good there because he's got a good forward pack pushing him forward. He's got guys that are creating momentum for him, so then he can do what he wants essentially. Whereas at the Bulldogs, he's going to have to create a little bit for himself. 
And same with Josh at Okar. I think you'll see him not be scoring as many tries, not looking as sharp, because he won't have Cameron Munster inside of him. He's got uh, he's grown such a good partnership with him, especially with the long kicks over the top that he chases down. Like I don't see Matt Burton or Kyle Flanagan putting those kicks in for him, putting it straight on the dime for him to chase down, or the two men cutouts to him where he just gasses the fullback, gasses the winger, and I just don't see those guys being as good when they get down there. Sure, Canterbury can build the systems to be a little bit better, but it's going to take some time for those guys to gel down there. And I wouldn't hold my breath as a Canterbury fan for finals footy next year, to be honest. Yeah, for sure, mate. And uh, I mean, that's just the reality of teams that are struggling in this competition. I I sort of feel the same that they are getting a little bit overhyped, but what else do you do as Canterbury? You know, you've got to go out and get the best players that you possibly can to try and change that. And yes, Matty Burton and Josh Adokar, these sort of guys, they might not be the same players they were at their old clubs because those old clubs are so much better than the club they're going to. But at least you have an opportunity to start to bring some of that culture over. And I mean, like it has happened before where we've had guys signed to clubs in the past and they have changed uh, the, the, the culture of that club. And, you know, every guy isn't going to be like that. But if you're at the bottom of this competition, you sort of... Blokes aren't lining up to go to Canterbury, yeah? And the guys that are going to Canterbury, they've been given a good whack of money to go there. So, like, they, they, they're they not like the Melbourne Storm where they've got people ringing them saying, hey, can I come to your club? Canterbury's ringing teams and going, hey, what have they offered you? I'll give you an extra 200K and you can play whatever fucking position you want. Please come to us. It's, it's hard to get off the bottom and you've got to take a couple of risks. And I, I kind of like the risks they've had taken this year. We've spoken about Burton and, and Ado Carr. I don't think they'll be as good as their previous clubs, but I think they'll still be very solid. I think the Paul yeah. Vaughan and the um and the Dufty one, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of both of those guys, but both have shown that they can play. And I like that they yeah. signed them on a one year contract. And to me, a one year contract says you've got to perform or you're going to England. You, this is your last chance sort of thing, you know, and I, I like it when guys have got their backs against the wall. Like, you look at Bryce Cartwright in your team this year, I think that's been a big yeah. factor of him playing good footy again because it was, Bryce, you've got to show that you want to play first grade this year or you're going to go to England. No one else is going to take a punt on you. Yeah. No, that's why, Um, just back on the Bulldogs recruitment, I love the fact that they've got Gus Gould in there because yeah. people trust his philosophies, what he's done over there at Penrith with his five-year plan that turned eight-year plan. But, the stuff that Gus Gould can do, can say, that will lure a lot of players in for less money. It will help their recruitment be better. But realistically, it's so hard in the NRL to rebuild as a club. Odd, oh, no para coming off like two or three wooden spoons. It takes time to come back. Because like you said, you need those key players that draw guys over, but you can't get those key players if you don't have them already in your side sort of thing. And, mate, look how well your club has rebuilt. People forget you guys were coming dead last couple of years ago. Look how well you've rebuilt and how criticised you're still getting. Like, yeah. you've come so far. It, mate, it, it, it's like there's a there's there's a set of stairs and there's 10 steps. You're you're sitting on the ninth step and people are still yeah. critical. Like, it's so hard to rebuild. And Canterbury, I mean, if you said to me, Ken, like, we're going to go into a meeting and try and lure one of the top players in the team, we'll take our best player to talk to them. Who are you taking? You take him to school. Yeah, well, now you take Gus Gould, yeah. But before that, I mean, fuck, what are you, uh, Josh Jackson? I mean, not really a needle mover for me. Like, good defender, really solid. But, it, you know, I, I know I'm probably not going to win a comp there with Josh Jackson sort of thing. And even if you look at the New Zealand Warriors, like, obviously, they've had Peter O'Sullivan for a couple of years. He's done unreal. But Phil Gould walked in there at the start of the season. 
You've had Reese Walsh. You've had Matt Lodge. You've had Dallin Matenis Lesniak arrive there. Like these guys, they matter. And I call them um, lounge room guys because Phil Gould is a guy that he'll go to young players. He'll sit in a lounge room. He'll have a beer with the dad. He'll have a, t- a, a cup of tea with the mum and he'll talk them into coming to Canterbury because he's got that sort of aura about him. I just like a few of the young signings that they've gotten. Uh, you might might have heard of uh, Josh Stuckey. They signed him a few days ago. He's a second rower out of Q Cup. He looks he looks pretty promising. And then you've got uh, Joshua Cook from the Bunnies. I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but I've heard things about him signing there. That could fill their hooker role for a little bit. He, he looks very promising as well. It's it's those sort of guys that Gus Gould is so good at finding. He's good at finding young talent as well. Yep. And that's that's massive for a club trying to rebuild. It's finding young talent because they're going to take less money to join your club. And then if they turn out to be the goods, they can build into those key players. And I think that's the other thing too, mate. Like there are, as much as they've struggled, for me there are a handful of guys in that Canterbury team right now that are really talented. They just haven't got the best out of them. I look at Jake yeah. Avarillo. I think he could be absolutely anything. I look at the kid that's made his debut a couple of weeks ago, uh, Beyond Iodo. I mean, yeah, he could be anything as well. Yeah, like there's there, there is a core there of a football team that could be decent. And getting yeah. guys like Josh Cook, I I, I, I kind of half know Josh, and he is just such a good guy. He's the sort of fellow you'd be more than happy to build a club around, uh, and he's such a good hooker. I, I can't believe have let him go I mean and it's funny him and um, him and the kid that he's competing with at the moment uh, Pete Mamazellis he's he's played a couple games at first grade I mean every time that I've seen those two because they they went to the same school and everything every time every team I've seen them in in South Sydney it was always Josh Cook that was the better player than him so he must have really impressed over the last few months because Josh is also his family is just South Sydney through and through. Like you could not find a more South Sydney family um, than the Cooks, and it's unfortunate how that one's played out. I, I I I haven't got it confirmed if he is going or not, but I'm pretty confident he's not staying at South Sydney. And if those links are to Can- Canterbury, normally where there's smoke, uh, there's fire in rugby league, isn't there? Well, that's you hear about signings five months before they're confirmed because yeah. it's just as soon as rumor gets out into the media, it's just everywhere, and it's. And those rumours tend to come from good sources. Yep. Like, the, a lot of the leaks we see, they, they end up being true. But there's also some that I hope, for Bulldog's sake, that they do get him because they do need a hooker desperately. But then again, they've already got Bailey Biondiotto, who I'm pretty sure his best position is hooker. And I, I like seeing him play there. I think I watched him in the... Um, I think it was three weeks ago. I can't remember who they played, but he had a great game. And I just thought, well, this why haven't hasn't this kid been starting already? Like, why hasn't this kid had a crack? And then they've they put him to halfback. I think two weeks ago, I was just like, oh, mate, I I, I think the exact same thing as you. And I, I I said on Denon's podcast the other day that I think his best position is hooker. And Denon said to me, isn't he a halfback? And I said, oh. Not from what I've seen, but, mate, the amount of Canterbury people that messaged me off the back of that and said he's always been a halfback, that's his better position, has really surprised me. I'm the same as you. He looks like an out-and-out dummy half to me. I think as well at Canterbury, Jeremy Marshall King's gone to a new level. I I thought he was just going to always be a meat and potatoes hooker. He's really impressed me this year. So, as I said, mate, there are... There's a heap of options there. I, I think as well, the big thing heading into next year for them is, yes, they got these signings, but they get Raymond Fitala Mariner back. I think he is just criminally underrated. 
Oh, mate, he's huge, and he's so suited to the modern game. He's the sort of fella that they need in that team, I think. So, mate, there there is huge potential there. And you're right, I think of all the signings, Phil Gould, he probably is the best one. It's just the Bulldogs have got a lot of um, they've got a lot of shining lights coming into next year. They've got a lot of things that can go very good for them. They'll just it'll take time. It just takes time in the NRL to rebuild. As does everything, mate. As does everything in rugby league takes time. Yeah. I think we'll just wrap it up now. Uh, we've gone through everything. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate you coming on to this. Uh, it's great, great chatting with you. Great analysis. Um, just make sure, again, always all go follow the socials. Go follow the guru if you don't already. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, all that sort of thing. What do you? What else are you on? No, oh, mate, that's about it. I'll, I've got the podcast as well, which I'll I'll drop this on my podcast as well. So. Um, give all of your socials a plug, mate, because all my all my listeners and followers, um, I want you to go and uh, and follow as well. So uh, where, where where can they find you, mate? Uh, just Twitter and Instagram so far, just at Shortball. Shortball, beautiful. Now, mate, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thoroughly enjoyed this chat. It was sensational. Great chat. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.